0: What I'm doing is saying you have so much more, you can unlock this. There's nothing to buy. It's inside you. How do we turn it on? So as much as I can, I do TV, radio, podcasts just to tell people, no matter what you're going through right now, it's not where you have to be. There is more here. And you don't have to buy anything to get there.
1: I'm Greg Runny. and I'm Rob Reeford. And this is Mind Body Matters.
2: Welcome to our podcast where we talk about our mental and
1: physical health. Really, all hey, things that on, matter. Hey, Whoa, oh, 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 oh. Hang oh, on, no. hang on. Oh, no, what now? I didn't like the way you said welcome this week. What? Could you could you be more welcoming with your welcome, please? Would you mind doing that? Okay. I can, I can take. T- okay, Mind Body Matters, take two. Welcome to our podcast. Was that better? Okay, okay, Mind Body Matters, uh, welcome message, take number three and final. Here we go. What's wrong with the second one? I just want it to be more welcoming. Oh, geez. Okay. All right, here we go.
2: Welcome to our podcast where we talk about our mental and physical health. In all things, that why are you laughing? I can see that you're laughing at me
1: <laughs> because I thought that was perfect. Yet that was a very welcoming welcome message.
2: Well, I'm glad that I uh, I've got your approval.
1: Okay, great. Well, anyway, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. <laughs> welcome.
2: <laughs> How are you? Yes. How was your week? Because we're, we're we're doing weekly uh, yeah. now, so uh, we can do oh, little weekly yeah. check-ins, and I can analyze your mind.
1: Well, yeah, because after all, you are a psychotherapist, and that's what you do best. <laughs> uh, you you analyze people. <laughs> so, what 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 are the raw reffered analytics this week?
2: Oh God, <laughs> you don't want to know. We're we're keeping that a secret.
1: But yeah how was your don't, don't. how was your week? It's getting busy for goodness sakes. It's, that's what I'm finding. And, 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 you know, I've had a heck of a year, as you know, but it just, uh, I'm trying not to be overwhelmed, but I think the key word this week would be I'm getting a little overwhelmed and I've got to take pauses in my life to understand that this soon will pass. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I just have to, I just have to take some deep breaths, but, uh, overall, I think uh, all things considered, Greg, I'm doing okay.
2: Good to hear. Good to hear. It, it has and, been a tough year for you. So it's it's yeah, an ongoing process yeah. for you. And it was, uh, if listeners uh, uh, didn't catch the episode back in September, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, um, Rob lost his son to suicide, Alex. That's um, right. That's right. So this Christmas is going to be tough for you. So I can see where it's overwhelming now. And just make sure you take oh, care yeah. of yourself during Christmas because that's it's going to be a tough
1: one. It will. And I... Um, I'm preparing for it so uh no but thanks for mentioning that. Uh it is going to be a tough one but as Gloria Gaynor once said, I will survive. You
2: will survive. This too shall pass. Yes, hey, yes. A very very interesting guest today. Brent Webb. When mm-hmm. I talked to him on the phone, I thought he was one of these um, you know, Vegas acts that are into being a mentalist and Psychic it's not at all what what I thought it was, but the interesting thing is is this guy's credible because he's worked with Don Rickles and even Johnny Carson. so folks get
1: ready to change your mindset today
2: that's right here's Brent Webb I, I might be drinking some water and clearing my throat, so hopefully that isn't distracting for you um. It always happens at the most inopportune
0: moments. I've noticed that, too. You're doing something, you're on a live or something, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, God, I can't.
2: Yeah. I need something. <laughs> like in mid-sentence, that's what usually happens to me is, uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. <clears throat> I got to turn off my mic for a second and and, and get some water. But, um, all righty. Well, wow. so nice for, uh, for us to have uh, a guest like yourself on the show, read a lot about you. It's exciting. Uh, I've got tons of questions for you. So thanks for being on the show, Brent. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I guess the first question, it's usually the first question that I ask a guest, but I'm really interested to know your opinion on it. Our focus of our show is this mind and body connection. It's kind of odd because we know it's connected. We know that our mind speaks to our body and our body speaks to our mind. How, how do you see that the, the mind can benefit the body?
0: Well, the, the biggest thing is we take our thoughts and we take our emotions and we fuse them together and then we store them. So that's what happens. I mean, it, you know, it's not just a thought we're thinking of something or just a feeling, but we've done this amazing magic trick where we've taken the thought and the feeling. And most of the time, it's something we don't want. Right. It's like the thought of a breakup. It's the thought of, you know, uh, arguing with our mother all during our childhood, whatever. And But we stored it away, that thought, with that feeling. Now, every time you're driving down the road and you see a car that looks like your ex's car, the thought returns, but so does the <laughs> feeling. Yes. The feeling yes. floods through you, too. Absolutely. And it's because those things are supposed to be transient. That that energy is supposed to come through you, but the kind of people we've turned into as human beings, we don't want the that kind of feeling, right? We don't want to work through it. So what we do, which is kind of backwards, but... We're kind of repelling it, but we're doing that by taking it in. It's like being a hoarder. You're on that TV show where you're sitting in a house full of 30 years worth of garbage. Right. That's what we do. We don't want this, but instead of throwing it away, going through it, we go, I don't want this. When am I? I'll just toss it inside. Now, every time anything gets close to that, you know, when somebody says, don't go there with me, that means you're getting (laughs) close to their stuff. (laughs) When somebody says, you know, you can't talk to dad about that. That means you're getting close to dad's stuff. That's what we do, though. We play this game where we've got all these things stored in us. So that, for me, with what I do, is the biggest. Thought and emotion tacked together, and it's destroying us because it keeps us from ever, first of all, seeing reality for what it is, but it keeps us on like a hamster wheel where we're always chasing something that's going to make us happy or someone that's going to make us happy, and it puts happiness ahead of us. It's always out of our reach that way.
2: What control do we have over this uh, what 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 can we do like for example as a therapist we always talk to clients about exactly what you're saying we're saying well feelings aren't necessarily facts but they're interpreted that way but you talk about in the work that you've done that there's a potential in the mind what can we do to uh to address those things
0: well the first of all we're all born with this Unbelievable supercomputer, right? It's the most sophisticated machine ever devised, and it's like you're on your own. You get a manual when you buy a cell phone, a toaster, a microwave, <laughs> anything, but yeah. the most amazing device ever yeah. created. Figure it out for yourself, right? You go to school; they don't teach you how to use it either. Uh, I remember I was in, I think, fourth grade, and the teacher was saying, "You need to concentrate, Brent. You need to concentrate. You need to focus." And I said, "Finally, did I miss that day? Because I don't remember ever learning focus." And she thought about it and she said, you know, I didn't either. And and we don't. It's like we expect that, but we don't we don't know how it is. So I think the first thing is just awareness is the biggest key, because it's like we've got this mind that's 60,000 thoughts a day. It's going on autopilot most of the time. And we don't even know what's going on up there. We don't know how much of those thoughts are negative, how much are positive. So I tell people just start becoming aware, get some post-it notes. Uh, you know, draw something on a couple of these, put them on the wall, on behind your desk, in the bathroom, wherever. When you see that, it's your your notification in your mind just to stop and figure out what am I thinking? Write it down. Don't judge it. Don't get pulled into it, but just write it down. And after a few days of that, you're going to see the most negative, the most unhelpful line of, you know, a, a dialogue coming out of your mind and it almost starts to dissipate by itself, right? Because it can't hold up to the scrutiny. It can't hold up to being drug into the light. These are things created when we're kids. So being aware is a huge step. I think it gets you more than halfway there because most people go through their life from beginning to end. It's like being in a tunnel and they just, they never realize there's more. So if you're being aware, wow, my, you know, I'm having a lot of negative thoughts today. You know, I named the voice, Carl, Anytime Carl starts talking, he Mm -hmm. takes the power away. It's got a voice. Carl's just a little petulant boy who is just trying to get my goat. And if you look at that voice like that, instead of the voice of God, the voice of the future, the voice of, you know, everything like the voice, it's just the past. It's just a mechanism. And so if you look at it like that, it takes the, the sting away. But awareness is first thing. As soon as you start realizing what's going on up there, you can
2: start to fix it. I just had a conversation not too long ago with a, a guest about, oh, I know what it was. It was, uh, we're talking about mindful self-compassion. So, I mean, even just self-compassion itself, there's a need to be aware of your negative self-critic. And that, that sounds like exactly what you're talking about. But I wasn't aware of my mind talking to me, my negative self-critic, until, you know, I got help in, in therapy years ago. And I realized, oh, my God, this is a loud voice, it sounds a bit like my mom and dad, all those things they told me. But then again, you know, there's this constant criticism, not not only of myself, but of other people in the world around. So I totally agree that the first thing is to be aware of that voice and love that, you know, the idea of, of calling it a name. <laughs>
0: yeah I always say too i, I, oh, there's I say
2: Bob again.
0: <laughs> it's the bitchy roommate. It's the bitchy yeah. roommate you live with that yeah. you can't get away from. You've got yeah. somebody in your house they're living rent free they're narrating your entire life and they're <laughs> and the other thing people don't realize is your mind is the one thing in the universe that knows everything you've ever done. It knows all the things you've never got caught doing that you're embarrassed of that you would just die if anyone found out and guess. What will use that against you, the first opportunity is your mind. It will always throw up. It's like if you were in a fight with someone and the other person always went for the jugular, are you stupid? You're never going to be able to do this. You know how your are you know, that's what it thinks it's protecting you, but what it's doing is keeping you in the box. It's keeping you from being able to do anything else.
2: What's the next step after being aware to realize the potential of our mind?
0: Well, like I said, once you become aware that that's a huge huge step. I don't think And in my work and in with my personal self and with students and clients, I don't think you can get there without some form of meditation, without some form of sitting by yourself. I don't care if it's prayer, if it's meditation, if it's uh, just contemplation, but you need that connection to yourself. And so over the years, we've lost that. There's so much going on. We're on our phones 24 seven. There's so much stimulation. So that those moments where you're actually sitting and connecting with yourself, people are petrified of that for that very reason, like I said, your mind is going to start saying things you don't want to hear. It's going to say negative things, but you have to learn to kind of sit with that again, awareness, but it's also a choice. You are more powerful. You are in control, but we've been our whole life allowing the mind to go crazy up there. It's like a monkey in a cage. You're going to have to take that control back. It's going to take some time. We didn't get here in a day. We didn't, you know. I ate too much my whole life. Right. And so I'm losing weight now, but I can't lose it today. I can't lose everything. I need to lose by tomorrow. And you've got here, you're programmed. I mean, just like you said, it sounds like your parents because that's what it is your entire life. You've been programmed, you know, from the moment you're born, you're a blank slate. So, um, you know, getting some, some, some form of meditation, some quiet time for yourself to make that connection. It's pretty much the answers are not outside of you. Always searching outside never gets you to the place where you're going to win in whatever it is you want in life. You have to go inward and everything is there. You just have to be able to... And really, how hard does it sound? Sit quietly with yourself. It doesn't sound difficult, but I know for years it was difficult for me. You know, as soon as you sit there, your mind's going to say, my back hurts. My leg hurts.
2: What am I having for lunch? Didn't why I do am this? I sitting um, here doing this? <laughs>
0: right. Because your mind doesn't want to be trained. So immediately the bitchy roommate springs into action and yeah. tells you all the reasons why you shouldn't be doing this. You have to learn. The best thing I ever learned was that voice. You don't have to listen to it. It's not the truth. And it's because normally the voice starts and we get sucked into it. We Mm -hmm. don't even stop to think, you know, we get pulled into that. So, again, the awareness, meditation, definitely. That's the second key, I think, to connect with yourself.
2: And getting the picture that the way that you see things and you help people with is that these are the limiting things. This is this is how we limit ourselves with this voice. We're not able to sit quietly and be aware of it. If we find ways of moving past that and no longer having that as a limit, what can the mind do? Almost anything. I mean, the mind can
0: you know can heal the mind disease, disease in the body, is disease, not at ease. I mean, we're in this constant state of stress all the time. You know what used to happen back in the old days you when fight or flight came in and you walk out of the cave, there's a lion or a tiger standing there. What am I going to do? Am I going to fight? Am I going to run? Am I going to hide? Your body goes into survival mode. We're living in survival mode every day. Does Mary like my shoes? What is the neighbor <laughs> going to think about about my my new girlfriend? Yeah. My yeah, yeah. my car. My this. My that. We're in. We've cultivated that sense of fight or flight, and we're using it all day long. We're not supposed to stay in that readiness where you know our body is ready for a fight or to run, but we do, and that stress creates. I mean, horrible things. Of course, every kind of disease there is. So one of the big things, stress and anxiety, again, like I said, you don't have to work. Some of these things just disappear. They just leave you when you spend that time with yourself because you're working through it in meditation. You're sitting there, you're doing a mantra, you're doing something, you're giving your lower mind something to do, count or something, and then you're transcending it. You're going above that. You're getting into the operating program that you've it's like a record with a groove. I mean, all oh, we've done these things over and over and over, it's just patterns now. They're just thought patterns. They become belief patterns and we just live them. So, you know, you got to get in there again and know what's going on. That's how you start to fix it.
2: My record skips a lot. <laughs> Mine <My> too. <laughs> <laughs> repeat, repeat, repeat. You you have all this insight and I'm I'm curious to know how you got here. You're, like I said, you're, you're doing a great thing. You're helping people and helping organizations. But how did you get here? Like, what was your early life like? At what point did you get your awareness of, of mind? Well, I was
0: a little, an only child from Ohio, and I always wanted to be, since a little kid, a magician. So a lot of, a lot of only children, a lot of people that are lonely, have anxiety, they're looking for a way And anyway, to be an entertainer is to get up in front of people and say, look at me, applaud for me. There's something going on, right? Do you have to do that? So very little, uh, five, six, seven years old, I was doing magic tricks and all sorts of things. But I would go to the library every week and I would get magic books. And one week, uh, I was about eight, I ended up getting a copy of a book called The Magic of Believing, which wasn't a magic book. It was all about the power of the mind and how belief, if you have belief- you can create things in your life. Now even as a little kid, I read this book. I didn't understand most of it, but I thought there is something here that I don't that just expanded my consciousness. I just thought I I really want to get into this. So, even as a little child, I started moving more into the mind, learning about potential and doing, you know, becoming a mentalist. I mean, my entire career has been working with people opening for celebrities, but you know, in Vegas and cruise ships doing a big mind reading act. I mean, that's what I used to do. Um, and then I, I told you the other day we were talking and I did a, a retreat where I did a meditation retreat and the um, the monk asked me, what do you do? And I said, oh, I am a mentalist. And I, you know, I read minds and blah, blah, yeah. Blah. yeah, and he says, "Think of a word. And yeah. I said, OK, and he goes lumberjack and I go, oh, I didn't write it. down. I mean, it was it was unbelievable what I was doing as an act. This guy could do for real. And he said, you know, we're all connected. There's a universal consciousness we're yes. connected when you're connected to it. What you're doing. It's not impossible. This is, you know, and it just changed the direction for me, you know, from, wow, I'm just an entertainer making people applaud for me to, well, I can do something now to teach people this feeling that I'm getting when I'm realizing there's so much more. So from that point on in my 30s or so, I mean, I still I'm going on a cruise for NCL in a couple of weeks. I was just in Japan and New Zealand doing shows. But now it's not just entertainment. I still use that because I think that's a great hook. Most speakers, they just talk. And after a while, you kind of shut that off. But what I'm doing is I the message is not hidden, but it's wrapped up in some entertainment. So, you know, you're kind of getting it by osmosis, a lot of it, um, which people seem to be able to, to use. It sticks with them longer, you know, in, in that scenario. So that's what I do. And what I'm doing here. You know, every time I'm home, it's all about, you know, I'm not selling a course. I'm not telling people you got to walk on hot coals. You have to meditate (laughs) in a cave for two weeks. Everybody has something, but they're trying to sell. What I'm doing is saying, you have so much more. You can unlock this. There's nothing to buy. It's inside you, but you just, it's dormant in there. So how do we turn it on? So as much as I can, I do TV, radio, podcasts, just to tell people, no matter what you're going through right now, it's not where you have to be. There is more here. And you don't have to buy anything to get there. You just have to start spending some time with yourself.
2: You mentioned the word that I, to be honest, I really don't know what it means is mentalist to, to me. I'm, I'm Canadian. So there's, you know, years ago, not sure how old you are either. Uh, there was the amazing Kreskin. uh, (laughs) I just saw him. (laughs) Really? Yeah. 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 He's
0: still working. He's 80 in his 80s. Oh my
2: God. Really? Yeah. So in my mind, and, you know, Kreskin was credible, but also he he was a performer and there's, you know, part of us were going, mm, you know, I'm not quite sure if I really buy this because, you know, you know, he's he's performing. But like, what is a mentalist? Is he a mentalist? Are you a mentalist? What is that?
0: Yeah, well, a mentalist is a state is a term that uh, Dunninger, I think, was a, the biggest mentalist back in the 30s, 40s, 50s. And he coined that term, which is kind of like, I mean, a mentalist is somebody who does. They do experiments, they do sometimes magic, but they they do it in a way that it's not like, oh look, there's a bunny in this empty hat. There's a lady floating in the air, because you know that's not real. But if you're if you're telling somebody like the monk did think of a word and you're telling them what it is, you know, you're creating that. So it, it's the appearance of doing like a, a mind reading act where you're telling people, hey, you know, you were born here, you were and however you do that, which could be tricks, could be whatever that's what a mentalist does as far as the the, the term like if somebody was going to hire a mentalist now I don't really do I don't do that anymore so I don't really call myself that anymore but that's most of my career I was that so because now it's kind of a bastardized term because there was a TV show called The Mentalist you know oh, right, in America right. which, yeah. was, which was a big show and um, so it's kind of been twisted a little bit mm-hmm. but it's, it's pretty much a stage performer who does things with the mind Creskin would be for sure Creskin would, would be definitely be a mentalist
2: yeah, I, I used to watch him a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised that he's still going. That's amazing. Wow. You mentioned supercomputer before, and it makes me think that perhaps if it's a supercomputer that we have, that we're not aware of the internet that's connected to the supercomputer or intranet. So is that what you're kind of getting at, that we have the ability to tap into this larger communication that is part of all of us?
0: Yeah. And if you think about it, go back to childhood. When we're kids, like I said before, we're blank slates. But when we're happy, we laugh. When we're sad, we cry and we get over it immediately. You know, we we don't carry things on. As you get older, again, you're picking up all this programming. You're picking up what your parents believe and your friends and your neighbors and the media and the government and whatever. So you've become into this amalgamation of um, a person. You know, you've created this. A lot of it, you've done it just to to help you to save yourself as kind of a, a mechanism for that sort of thing, so you have to realize that you have this amazing machine, but we 're using a very small percentage of it there's so much that it can do it 's like you've got this machine and you 're using it as a tip calculator you 're using it for something <laughs> so so minute for what it is capable of doing you know because we go to the, we go to school. And the school system has been the same for hundreds of years. It's not a system that creates entrepreneurs or free thinkers. It's a system that creates cogs in the machine. You need to be a doctor. You need to be a lawyer. You need to be a, a bricklayer, whatever that is. Um, so it's it's not there to help you ever realize how this thing works. So that's one of the things you've got to either do it with your children at home. You have to learn to do yourself because it's just something you're not gonna. It's I, I don't think that change is ever going to happen where you're you're teaching that as as a you know a course in school. So it, it relies on people to have to do it themselves, which is very difficult because you know how that is. As soon as you tell somebody you got to take an hour a day, you have to find oh, I, I just don't have the time. I can go do Netflix for six hours. I can go, <laughs> you know, do all these things. But don't ask me to sit in meditation for 15 minutes because I, I don't have the time. But until you do that, until you really see, because that's where the motivation really starts, because it's just words right now. This is these are just ideas coming out of my mouth. And people can listen to this, but until they actually see it in action for themselves, it's not going to motivate you. And and that fuel that you'll start to get, well, my, this is working. This is amazing. This is incredible. That fuel will will keep you going, you know, and every celebrity I've ever worked with, Joan Rivers was big on the mind. Phyllis Diller was all about magic of believing changed her life. That same book that that changed mine changed Mm. hers. She said, I underlined it for years. I read that book. She's in her late thirties, single mother of five children. Wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Everybody said it's not possible. You're not funny. Yeah. And she became the first stand-up comedian from that book just by not letting anyone else's negativity get into her. You know, keeping that. I tell people put every morning put on your in, your cloak of invulnerability just psychically, and just know that throughout the day, I think people are going to say crap to you. They're going to try to offend you. Things are going to happen, but you just let it bounce off. As soon as you take it in, it's over. I mean, you know, because now you're not. You're no longer in any kind of power position. You're easily swayed by what this person says and what they think and what this person wants from you. But once you kind of know what you want to do, you're on a path now where everything opens to you. And that's where what, we're, what you're talking about, the Internet of the, this mass consciousness. Everything that's ever been, ever will be is, is springing from that um, unified field. And that in meditation, you go there. So you're not focused on the outer world and all these these problems and things. It's the inner world that's important, the thoughts and ideas and emotions, the outer world of things, houses, cars, people. That's the thing in our mind we hold at such a high degree. But really, those are the things, the things that we you can't get courage, love. Those are all inner things that you have to grant inside. Right. And then you're you're available to have them in the outer world. But you can't go looking for them outside and try to make you feel a certain way on the inside, it doesn't work.
2: How, how do you trust when, when people say, well, uh, uh, Brent Webb is just a performer? Uh, because that's, I mean, there's a performance that you have built into what you're doing. But uh, you've worked with, as you said, uh, Joan Rivers and Phyllis Stiller, Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers, and one would think, oh, okay, so... What's his shtick? You know, what is his performance that that is so appealing to to these celebrities?
0: Well, the thing is, like I said, I learned a long time ago that just speaking, first of all, you're never going to work as an opening an act just talking anyway, right? (laughs) So to get into that field, you know, you have to have a hook. You have to have something that's original. Siegfried Roy had had animals, right? right? Animals, tigers and lions at the base of it i mean they're just magicians like anybody else but see the the animals took them over the top okay so there's certain things certain people do um i think the I, the idea of putting the act in the the wrapping it in the idea of what's possible with the mind and not saying so much i uh, i'm using uh you know mind power to in other words i'm not using tricks to try to convince you that i'm real because what i'm talking about everybody can do but what I'm doing is showing this connection that we can have with each other. So my act is very, you know, so a uh, lot of interaction with the audience, a lot of breakthroughs with them, things that, you know, I mean, the, I've structured the show in such a way that it's not you're not just sitting there watching me. You're experiencing this thing. You are a part of it where, you know, it's not the audience and me. It's all of us together. So it's, it's just kind of a, a hidden way to get the attention get the audience in front of me and then I do my thing but it's i got to have my foot in the door one way or another so that was kind of what i did years ago it's that's why i never say mentalist anymore you you mentioned it i brought it up i <laughs> talked about it but i i don't say that because it it has been a, right. a word that's been bastardized in in america especially so i stay away from that cuz it isn't what i do anymore but what i do for a living has nothing to do with i mean the act has nothing to do with the potential what people can do I mean like I said I was doing the act for years before I saw somebody actually do it for real. Um so I I just want that's my message is just that we have this amazing machine we don't know how to use it. Let me let me try to teach you
2: what I know. So we we did the the, the myth busting with uh uh being a mentalist and and I mean that's that's a word that I can understand where there's a confusion around it. Um so let's do myth busting regarding is Brandt a psychic? Does Brandt use ESP?
0: Well, somebody asked me once if I was a medium, and I always say, no, I'm an extra large. Good one, right? <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> I don't talk to dead people, but I have had things happen that I can't explain. But I, I I would never say I was a psychic because in my mind, and probably for most of the people listening to this, when you hear that, you think, you know, somebody reading tarot cards in a room somewhere for 20 bucks or somebody that's talking to your dead mom and taking your money. That's that's what I think, because there's just so many fraudulent people out there in my life. I've run across a lot of other speakers, other entertainers, whatever. I've never met anybody that's that's an absolute psychic. that's doing it for real. I can say that. So I'm not, but I have moments where I can't explain things happen on stage. I my, the finale of my show is I sit in a chair and I just start. Okay, somebody's thinking about uh, fifteen fifteen Riverside Road. That was your childhood address, and I do an act like that. And many, many times, things come to me. I I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know. There some nights will be a connection and electricity in the audience, and some nights there's not. But when you when you're open to that, you know I I'm open to whatever. I when I do meditation. I do anything. The, the thing, the last thing I say is I, you know, release all expectation from this because that's part of our problem is we're always we're taking the, the bad things from the past and we're just recreating them into the future. We're mis- making the same life. We're not doing anything differently. So I'm open to to things happening. I'm open to synchronicities. I'm open to I don't believe in coincidence. I think if something's happening in front of you. There's a reason. There's there's a reason that that is there in your life. Doors open, things happen when you're on the right path. There're signals, you know. I don't know how it works. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than all of us. But you can either decide that everything is amazing and you're going to it's magic and you're going to do this or that nothing is just all a coincidence, but you're screwing yourself. Because if you make that choice, you've now cut off to everything. You know, you you're not accepting of anything. So you just keep your mind open a little bit. Keep it open a crack. I tell people, what's what's the problem in that? But be willing to accept new things into your life. That's how we change. That's how we grow.
2: You mentioned that you were in a, a retreat, and it was a monk that you were speaking with. Uh, definitely something going on there that he was able to know the word that you were thinking about. But and and it's not my point of view. But I think maybe some some people in you know as listeners might think, well, what's the difference b- between a mind trick? And tapping into the potential, tapping into the world, tapping into the the universal consciousness. What's the difference between a magic trick and what you're doing?
0: I will reveal it right now because you asked. (laughs) And again, not something I normally talk about, but the fact that you will never see ever. And I've never seen in my career. You're not going to see somebody come up from the audience and somebody say, think of any word. And tell you what it is. There's something you're not seeing. They either maybe they wrote down something earlier on, a, you know, a, a clipboard, and maybe there was carbon paper inside, and they saw that there was some kind of move. There was you had to do something, and that's what was so different. He, I didn't have to write it down. You know, there, there's moves where you write down something, and the person rips it up and they throw it away right. and they tell you. But in the ripping, the the process of doing that, they're able to see what it was you wrote, right? But when somebody says think. Of any word in the English language, you have one lumberjack. That's impossible by regular means yeah. of, a, of a trick. OK, because there is nothing. There's no pre. They call that pre-show when you're doing something before the show. The audience doesn't know about, you know, then you say, hey, hey, you come up here for a moment. I want you to think of a place. Now, they don't tell you that earlier before the show, they were thinking of a place and they wrote it down already on a piece of paper. And maybe they took that paper and then somehow the pad was electronic. There's all kinds of gimmicks to make you look like a mind reader. Right. but There is that moment when you have to actually have them do something he didn't. So, you know, and, and again, I've been doing this my whole life. And for somebody to just do that, you know, right there, it just changed everything because it opened up an entire world. I mean, I knew there were possibilities, but I didn't know that, you know, man, I can do, I can do what I've been pretending to do for so long because it's a reality. It just changed everything.
2: I think what really speaks to your credibility and your experience is that um, you performed at the White House. I mean, if you were a shockster, if you were a hypnotist or like a a crackpot, you wouldn't wouldn't be asked to come to the White House. So how did that come about? Well, the first time
0: I did uh, an Easter egg roll, this was for the Clintons. So this is back away as my very first kind of thing. And I met somebody who said, Oh my this would be amazing. I did a, a fundraiser for the DNC and the thing is about working at the White House, if you are planning on using anyone in the act, you know, like the president or the vice president, everything has not only has to be inspected, but you're entitled they take the entire act and you don't get it back until you're about to go on. They everything, the pens, I mean, I guess to make sure you don't anthrax the pens or, or, or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh so that was the first time I did um George Bush the son not the father okay and then i did a, a fu- another fundraiser for the dnc cuz i always i always have to mention the republican too because otherwise it looks like i'm you know and i'm very <laughs> not political um and then i did a, a fundraiser for the dnc um for obama president obama the thing is i used to be so afraid of people like that even you know starting out with all these famous people and i learned very early on from don rickles as a matter of fact if you are, if you act like a normal person with with these people, they're going to be completely normal and fine with you. It's the people that act like fans. I got to take a picture. Oh my god, yeah. I loved you in this. Starstruck.
2: So,
0: yeah, yeah. Early on, I was like that, and I know I saw one of your questions was about Johnny Carson, and one thing I didn't read all of them because I just wanted to talk off the cuff. Mm-hmm. But when I met him not from his show. This was he hired me to come on. He lived on a boat in um, there in California. He would hire. Magicians, mentalists, people like that. He was a magician. He grew up as a magician. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. first thing yeah. he ever did was, an, was a magic act. Right. So he would hire people uh, from the Magic Castle or people that he saw on TV or somewhere to come in for an hour for 90 minutes and just session with him. Just, just you know, he would show some stuff. He would want to learn different things. But this was towards the end of his life, the last few years, he was living on a boat. He was married, but his wife, they were separated. His kids were never there. He had a whole staff of people, you know, a captain and and maids and everybody else, but he was completely by himself. And all he did was the thing that he did during his career, which was magic. In front of a camera, Carson was amazing. But as soon as the camera was off, he was very, you know, he didn't like being around people. He was an introvert. Yeah, you'd find him in a corner doing card tricks at at a party. And so that was always kind of his safety mechanism. And he said, you know, oh, this is amazing. And you're, I wish I still had my show. And I said, yeah, me too. Uh, but he died alone. I mean, here's a guy who had all the money in the world, yeah. all the fame in the world, the number one TV show for 30 years, and he didn't have control of his mindset. I mean, he was a, a mean drunk, and that he said that himself, but it, it's, it's since come out. He never had that control. He was divorced and married so many times, and he just had that amazing sense of humor. He had that connection with the camera, but he didn't have peace. Mm-hmm. And a lot of celebrities, the ones that I mentioned that, that work, the know about the mind, uh, Joan Rivers and Phyllis Diller, they were pretty even keeled because they understood everything's temporary. You know, I'm controlling my, my thoughts are controlling my life. They understood that. But then you see somebody that's famous. I don't know. I've worked with many singers and two, but I worked once with, I'm not going to name who it was, but there was a singer who I worked in Vegas with, I opened for, and they said, can you stay and do next week? And I said, yeah. Uh, what's happening and they said so and which was the headliner they lost 50 grand in the casino last night and they have to do next week for free <laughs> and i started really wow are you kidding me these these famous people of course i would go to the buffet and eat that was my vice but i've seen many of these people between shows go and gamble in the casino and if you're not a <laughs> if you're on a bad streak or you're not a, a great gambler you know you can get in big big trouble there if you're not in touch with your mind. I don't care how famous you are, how rich you are, if you're not in touch with what's going on up there, you're still going to fall into these traps.
2: You mentioned something that really interests me is um, uh, uh, control over your mindset. Tell us more about that. And maybe maybe use me as an example. Um, you know, I, I'm 58 and I'm moving along trying to figure out what I want to do in my 60s, because it seems like every decade there's something a little bit different, right? So as I mentioned earlier about a negative uh, uh, self-critic, that's what limits me. You know, I talked about on other episodes, you know, had terrible self-loathing many years in addiction. But there's a negative self-critic that I know, I have that awareness that limits me. But how can I control my mindset? What can I do differently going into my 60s that I tap into my potential?
0: Well, mindset is really everything because... And I've suffered from addiction, alcohol, you know, I was addicted to alcohol. I was addicted to pain. Oh, pills. really? I was addicted yeah. to smoking. I had cancer. I was in Vegas, passed out, taken to the hospital. Oh, you have lymphoma. And, uh, you know, and I realized, though, everything I've ever faced in my life, I've been up against. If you think about it, it's a mindset thing. The cancer, it's a physical thing, but it's a mindset issue on how you're going to deal with this, how you're going to get through it. Oh, you're I get it. Positive. Okay. So Everything. Every addiction, I mean, there's a reason you're doing it, right? The reason I'm taking the pain pills, not for pain, I'm taking them for euphoria, but I'm trying to block something out Absolutely. right? In my life. So those are mindset things. And so again, little things, naming the voice in your head. It, it doesn't sound like a lot, but think about, you just said my entire life I've been, I've been dealing with self-loathing and it's been a problem for me, right? Think about the technique of not only are you naming the voice, okay? So you come up with a name for yours but you have to look at that voice like a child it's it's a little petulant child who is used to getting its way and it's laughable now instead of being this booming voice of the future it's now a little sad boy who you know used these things in childhood to 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 make it to adulthood they were mechanisms he created but now they're no longer serving you so the voice becomes A poor little kid, somebody that's not on your level now, not mature, not um, able to to think like an adult. So you discount it immediately. There's no power there because what normally happens is is the thought comes and we get sucked into it. Mm -hmm. We get pulled into that river of drama. And so the, the awareness and the naming of the voice and all of these things, what it starts to do is gives you time. Next time something happens. It's almost like you're in slow motion. You've heard people say I was in the zone when that happened. It's like drama is unfolding. And now normally in this situation, they're saying something to you and you are about to get pulled into it. You're going to get sucked into it. But now, because you've been working through this, you've been letting little things go and everything matters. I don't care what it is. It's raining. You're going to on a picnic. You let it go. Instead of going, God hates me. The universe is out to get me. Why does this always happen to me? You just let it go. And you think, oh, that's no big deal. But that little bit of willpower that comes back, you focus where it matters. That's the trick to all of it is you're using willpower to hold all of these things inside. We talked about being a hoarder. You've got all these things. Every time one thing leaves you, that that willpower is now available and it returns because we've used all our willpower up almost. It's a finite supply by holding all these things in. So now you release something, take that power, bring it home. And focus it. That's all it is. So every time you do something, doesn't matter how little it seems, you're training your mind like like a muscle. You're pulling it back, pulling back that focus. Same thing in meditation. You count to twenty. If you get to fifty, you've gone too far. You go back to twenty. You keep pulling back your focus. You're building this thing up. So over time, you have control now of something that you are in charge of. Instead of it running your running your life, you are controlling it. So know that everything is a mindset thing and know that you're in control of them. Of course, things are going to happen. People say, "Oh, does that mean my life's going to be amazing? Nobody's ever going to die." No, of course not. But it's how you deal with the outer world that's affecting your inner world. It's like we're in two worlds here. Inner world, outer world. I said outer world is things and, you know, and yeah, houses and cars and people. Inner world is ideas and emotions and creativity. And those worlds are connected to each other. And you know that because somebody on the outside walks up to you and they say, you look horrible today. What's wrong? And you take it inside, right? You're upset and you get mad. Now, every time you see them, it comes rising up again. So they're connected. What people don't realize is that means they're connected the other way. You can actually do something on the inside that's going to change the outer. It's going to affect the outer. That's going to, that's going to, uh, I tell people when they start getting control of their mindset, it inspires other people. You can change the entire generational line of their family. Because their kids now have a different future than they had before. So just spending that time with yourself, knowing, hey, it's all a mindset thing. No matter what it is, it's something you can get past, you know, unless you're at the end stages of something. And even then, you have to figure out how you're going to deal with it. Are you going to go down suffering, kicking, yelling, screaming, fighting and, and denying that it's happening? Or are you going to take, you know, finally, when you get to the point where you have to just let go? That you you have to realize we're all temporary. everything is temporary, and if you understand that, you're not hanging on to all these things that so many of us think are important. I've had the mansion, I've had the sports cars after a week, you're standing in the 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 foyer going, "What did I do? This doesn't do anything, and for me, it was a big thing. It was a big letdown because my whole life is all been all about. Money. I was born in the money hungry 80s, right? And my favorite TV show was Dallas. It's all about money and oil wells (laughs) and rich people conning your family. (laughs) I I thought the only thing that mattered is money. But then when you get it, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't make you happy. And everyone says that. But man, when you really attain it and it doesn't, it's a big letdown. What do I do now? I spent my whole life thinking this is what I want and now I've got it and it's just not so. Again, I just think it's that awareness, bringing your awareness to that, knowing it's all a mindset, whatever the issue is, and that you can deal with it. Uh, it just changes everything.
2: Wow. Um, I think you kicked the crap out of all my training as a therapist here.
0: <laughs> See, you're a great, I have to say, I have done thousands of interviews. You're a great interviewer because you allow Things to kind of be drawn out. That's why I didn't want to look at the questions. I just yeah. looked over them briefly. Yeah. But I think that's great when and I'm so passionate about it, because I have that problem too, where that you'll ask me something and I'll get there, but I may go <laughs> I may go on a journey to get there. Oh, and you have to know this and you have to remember this. But when you're really passionate about it, I think people see that too, right? That they see that this is just a thing that I love now so much, you know, getting this word out.
2: Let's talk about your shows. Let's talk about your book. You have a book called The Secrets of Mind Control. I do. And and the
0: book's free and, oh. because I I did it because, again, I'm not, I work, I have a career, you know, I'm, I'm touring the world and I, I'm doing seminars, I'm doing shows. So I'm not trying to sell something every five minutes. And that's a, what is slightly the difference because somebody will say, you need to do this and this and this, and you can learn how to do yeah, it. Yeah. You're not so a motivational
2: speaker kind of guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're not selling. Right. Yeah.
0: Where I'm trying to get you into a program. All I want you to do is realize that there is more, you can do this and every i have 800 videos on youtube we have just tons of free trainings and videos it's all free you know everything is there if you want to spend the time to go through and you know everything i've taught in 30 years is is in there i just think people need to understand it's going to take a little bit of time it's going to take a little bit of work there is no magic bullet somebody trying to sell you you know something that's going to work immediately it's not it's going to take a little bit of work but you could any one of us can do this if i can do it i became a vegan in my late, I'm 48 now. So a year ago, but I mean, completely gave up not only meat, but eggs and dairy and cheese and all the things that I love, (laughs) I used to love so much. That's a mindset thing. If you would have told me 10 years ago, you know, here, a big guy who loves it, loves meat, right? You're going to be a vegetarian. You're going to be a vegan. You are out of your mind. It's not because we just, I'm not, I'm not the person who does this. My mom always says, uh, she, I'm going to the casino today, but I never went. Well, why are you going? Because th- that's what we do. I, I'm not the kind of person that can do that. I'm not the kind of person that deserves that. We we write ourselves off. And so as soon as you open up the possibilities, it it, it I keep saying it changes everything, but it does. Because now you're not on this, this path that you've created from your past that, that's leading into your future, the same future. You're making a break there. And you're starting to, you know, to... to Go for the dreams that you have. If you're dreaming something, there's a reason. It's there for you. It, 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 your dream is there for a reason. It's not there just, you know, for you not to be able to attain it. So some people, it doesn't matter how old you are, you can still attain the things you wanted. I mean, I'm becoming the person I've always wanted to be. Still, you know, I, I've ne- you're never a finished product, but it just takes that work, the time, the love. You said earlier about loving yourself. That's yeah. got to come first, yeah, before anybody else. You've got to once you give yourself love, you're going to get it from the. You'll get it from that partner you're looking for out there. You'll get it from the job. All of those things, whenever you do it first on the inside.
2: Uh so you're saying it's a free book? They can get you to get that off your website.
0: Yeah, it's it's you download it for free, and I one of the reason I wrote that because people when they think mind control, they think it means. And MK there is ultra. mind control.
2: That's what comes to mind. MK ultra right. You think the government is controlling our minds.
0: And of course, there's so some CIA. of it. But the real mind control is when you control your own mind, nobody can control it for you. That's what's happening. Ah. Because we are so oblivious to what's going on that the people that are smart the smart and understand these things manipulate us. I mean, it's all bull BS. It's like man versus woman, gay versus straight, black versus white, this versus that. Us versus them. If you get yours, I can't have mine. We're always in competition. It's this creation that keeps that the, the 2% happy and makes everybody else fighting and killing themselves over BS. So, you know, mind control is controlling your own mind. When you get to that point, and I'm finally, you know, at that point where my mind isn't running all the time, I'm able to think through things. You get kind of a, a clarity and a, a brain fog that disappears because I found even in my career with what I do still, I get sometimes would get that where I'm, you know, it's like you're looking through a gauzy curtain or something, you know, and your mind isn't quite right, but meditation and reflection and prayer, whatever it is that you decide to do, will start to remove that for you. And again, without doing a lot of things, a lot of people and therapists are great and, and, and they have um, their clients that they work with and, and help really save their lives. But there are some people that, when they relive that, then they go home and they're now they're reliving that. You know, right. for the next two or three days, they're in yeah. that again. So for them to give them the control and say, "Look, you're going to be able to do this if you just you know take the time." So that's what the book's about. You can go uh, BrentWeb.com is the website. It's right at the very top. Nothing to buy there. You just download a copy and you can you can read it. It's a, it's a pretty good size book, um, but it tells you all about how they use mind control against us to control our minds, the media, and, you know, you're not, you're you're too fat, you're not blonde enough, yeah. you, you, if you don't eat this, you won't be, it's the most ridiculous thing, you know? It's even, if you take celebrities, and, and they've done a study recently where if you take an old celebrity, an old dead celebrity like Marilyn Monroe, and you, you put her in a commercial when she was young, so that there's still amazing power, uh, you know, oh, this is going to make you look beautiful. The, the woman's been dead for 60 years, but there's something to that. We're just bred in such a way that we think to to be this, I have to have this. I have to do this. I have to somehow earn it instead of we all have we all have these God given gifts. We all have this greatness. We don't have to do anything. We just have to activate it.
2: Well, one thing I, I noticed in, in reading about you, uh, you you mentioned or it was written about you that you can help people regarding rewarding relationships and imagine that ties in with what you said earlier, that if you have control over your mindset, they don't have control over your mindset. But what else can we do to improve our relationships?
0: Well, one thing that's easy is to listen As when the other person talks. And it sounds like such a simple thing, but we don't do that. We They're talking and we're, we're thinking of our response. We are creating what we're going to say back. So how do you expect to be in any kind of, you know, loving, committed, not committed, but relationship, but trusting where you're not listening to the other person. They're they're giving you some heartfelt moment and you are thinking about your retort and what you're going to say back. So, I think putting yourself in their shoes, which is something we find very hard to do as human beings, is put yourself in the, in the other person's shoes, especially now, politically. It's like everything is so divided, you know, one side can't imagine being in the shoes of the other side. So, for any related it's not just love relationships it's any relationship your friends your family whoever it is is you know give yourself the ability to see things from their side again that open mind is going to take you a lot of places if you just will keep it open a little bit it really will
2: that makes that makes a lot of all all of this makes a lot of sense there's there's no magic in this 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 makes perfect right yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) absolutely Um, We mentioned your book, but also your shows. Um, Are you going to be in Vegas the next little while? Where uh, where can they see you
0: next year? We're going to be going on tour again all over the states because I I was in Japan a few months ago, New Zealand. I mean, all over the place, Egypt, Antarctica, believe it or not, uh, Alaska. So I want to stay. I just sent some emails to my agents and my manager. I "I want to stay in the States next year as much as humanly possible. (laughs) So, if you go to my website again, burnweb.com, there's nothing there now, but next year you'll be able to see, you know, whatever our tour schedule is and that sort of thing to come out. But if somebody's watching this and they just want help, if you go to my website, it's kind of a hub, but you can go from there to all of our free YouTube videos and there there's so many free resources that uh, you're not going to worry about Oh, I'm only going to get half of this and then I'm going to have to buy the other yeah, half. Yeah. Everything's there if you just you go to brownweb.com, you can uh, take a look for yourself. And
2: you're going to be uh in, in the states in 2024 uh next year, so people can look forward to perhaps seeing you uh doing a gig near them.
0: Yeah, cuz I do a lot of, you know, performing arts centers and um that sort of thing. So, but I love it does uh, five people I've done an executive boardroom at like a fortune 500 company with the five executives and I've done you know 5000 people in in a soccer stadium before and for me it doesn't really matter the the size it's the connection so again it's not about me it used to be about me about look at me m- applaud for me look what i can do i'm so much cooler than you, you are. And really, if you think about it, that's what magic is. Right. It's like, look what I can do that you can't figure out. Right.
2: Right.
0: Uh, if you look at it from that angle, it's so screwed up. If, but if you're looking at it as a motivational tool, which is what I which is what I'm doing. Right. Which is a belief tool. I'm almost under the the belief that if I can change your belief system, it doesn't matter how I do it. It doesn't make any difference what I'm doing, because, again, I'm not trying to tell you I'm talking to your dead mom and, and get you to give me your life savings. I just want you to believe in yourself. That's really all I want. So however I have to do that to get you to believe in yourself doesn't matter. That's just my that's my own thing. That's my own methodology. But once I get you there, it doesn't matter how I got you there. You're you're there. Right. So that's what it's all about. So yeah, you can check the website. You know, bring me to your town. Got a performing arts center? <laughs> let us know. Like I said, I'd love to put together just a lot more um, smaller, intimate, more intimate venues right. instead of these big, you know, these big arenas and that sort of thing. It's if I can connect with you one on uh, in a one on one situation where we're in a you know a theater of two hundred people and I'm bringing people up. That's kind of what I love now. You yeah. know, these smaller, more intimate groups.
2: You're a busy guy. I don't. I don't want to take up a lot of your time, but. Um... The the quote that you gave me is from the book that you mentioned early on, and I like to know more about the book because it influenced many people. Uh, you mentioned that Phyllis Stiller was a big fan of the book. This is Bristol, right? Claude M. Bristol. W- what's this yep. book about? Well, the book was written
0: nineteen forty eight. No kidding. I believe yeah. so. The year, yeah, the, the age that I am right now, forty eight. Which, but. It's all about the power of the mind. It's all about belief. And what a lot of people they when they hear about these things, they think, okay, this is again, this isn't going to work with my religion. This isn't going to. These aren't uh, belief systems that require you to adopt a new religion and to become something that you're not. They fit in with whatever it is that you're doing. But the book is all about using the power of belief to to change your life. That overriding, sometimes crazy sense of belief. You see people that are overconfident they want and you go wow why is that person so confident because you know they they don't right but somebody walks in a room with confidence and you you're immediately mesmerized you're they're magnetic to you sometimes people don't they're they're overly confident for no reason but those people will succeed more than a person with talent that doesn't believe in themselves because the belief is so it can be so powerful it's overriding it will almost pull you there if you can keep it. That, that sense of, you know, just like Phyllis Diller said, she didn't let anybody say anything to her. And if they came up and one of her friends, you're not funny. How are you going to be a comedian? Bounced off. She just laughed it off. Yeah. Because didn't take it in. So her thing was never take the poison. People can give you poison, but you don't have to take it. You don't have to eat it. You don't have to, you can be presented with it. It's and a you choice. you just let it go. Right. Because as soon as you put any stock in what they're saying, and you're giving that voice ammunition against you. It you don't want to do that. You wanna you wanna be steadfast in your thoughts, in what it is you believe in, knowing your end game. A lot of people they they want to be rich, they want to be in a great relationship, but there's no concrete goal. It's just these things. I want to be rich. Okay, that's not a goal. That's just a, a daydream, that's just a wish. Kind of see your end game, what it is that you want, see yourself there. And then the trick is let it go. You know, you order something from Amazon. You're not picking up the phone every five minutes going, where is it? Where, where is this thing? <laughs> it's going to come, right? Yeah. The 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 belief that it's coming will bring it to you. The What will kill it is you constantly, where is it? Where is it? This isn't working. This is all BS, going back and forth. So it takes that belief, and that book is amazing about creating that because it's, it's 200, 300 pages of belief, belief from his life, and then all the people that he worked with, his clients. Liberace was... And Phyllis Diller kind of came up about the same time, but they were great friends. And she said he swore his entire career on that book. Really? I mean, think about it. Yeah. Here's a guy who was a pianist in, you know, saloons and things and became the highest paid entertainer in the world playing the piano. So, yeah. I mean, think about it. Right. It was because he had that. Oh, In fact, it was so strong. She said at the end of his life when he was dying of HIV in the 80s, 87, he believed he was going to be healed because he was so had that you know, that mindset where you can, and again, some things you just can't, you're not going to be able to get past, you know, and you just have to accept them. But till the end, you know, he was sticking with that belief. So the book is free pretty much everywhere online. You can, you can download a copy. There's also uh, people reading them on YouTube. I, I listened to it the other day walking and it's a book I've read over and over and over again for 40 years, but It's one of those books that you you read again and you get something you didn't get last time. It's just filled with so much much knowledge and it's free. So you can go out and get a copy now. The Magic of Believing, Claude Bristol, it will change your life.
2: Wow. Uh, You learn something new every day and I've never heard of this book. Honestly, never heard of this book. Um, I'm going to have to check it out. There's a quote in there that Bristol has, something he said in the book that speaks to you and this is a quote, and you you gave this to me earlier. What you exhibit outwardly, you are inwardly. You are the product of your own thought. What you believe yourself to be, you are. Why is that personal to you? Why does that speak to you?
0: Because the thing that changed my life, I mean, I'm giving you all the pieces that changed my life, but the moment was realizing that if I want to be the person I've been dreaming about my whole life, the person with integrity and confidence and you know, all of that. How do I become that person? Here's how you do it. And it's in the book. You see that person in your mind, you go to that end game and then you start becoming the person. You start thinking like the person you start acting like the person. Everything's on the outer world starts to change. People show up. Uh, synchronicities happen because you are now if, if by acting like the person you want to be, you will eventually become the person and that is was huge for me. And it, but it's so true. Start. How would this person think if you had fifty million dollars? If that's what you want, you're not gonna you're not gonna walk into Walmart and feel like you can't buy the 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 brand name corn the corn in the can or whatever. You have to 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 start creating the mindset that this person would have. How are you going to react to other people when they tell you that your dream is stupid and whatever? Start becoming the person. While you're still yourself, that's the tricky thing because you've got to have that belief in yourself that no matter what you're seeing now, you're seeing something greater ahead of you. Okay. So most of us work, were, we're in the past 40% of the day, we're in the future 40% of the day in the past, wishing we could have changed this. If I had done this, right. he wouldn't have left me or 40% in the future going, oh God, if this happens, this is going to happen. And, or in order to get this, the thing that I want, this has to happen. And then, this, oh, that's never, and then this has to have. Don't do that. You stay in this moment, this present moment. Let go of this stuff from behind. You can't fix it. You're not going to be able to do anything about the future. It's never going to happen like you think. Stay in this moment. This is your power. And this is where you start creating these things. So you want to become somebody specific? How does that person act? Go on YouTube. Watch. You know, you want to go to Paris. Watch the videos of Paris. Go look at hotel reservations in Paris. Start getting it in your... If it's not even in your mind, how do you expect it to, to anything to ever take take root absolutely you have to start yeah. becoming it before you are that person
2: and i think the proof positive here is uh athletes they must work with this as well right what you believe yourself to be you are and if you can envision success if you can envision winning then you'll win
0: i do tons of uh motivation for sports teams oh Cleveland really brown yeah was yeah. a big client of mine They all hire sports psychologists and they do exactly what you just said. A sports psychologist comes in and they have the they have the players visualize doing it. Okay, because your mind doesn't know the difference. That's another another great thing about the mind. If you imagine yourself vividly doing something, running a race, your mind doesn't know if you've done it or you've just imagined doing it. And so you're making the hoops, you're doing this, you're 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 running the race in your mind over and over and over again. Um, that's what a sports psychologist does. Cause the mind is so powerful. The same endorphins fire, everything to your mind is exactly the, the same, you know? So th- it's powerful. I mean, this thing is so powerful. You just have to almost, I don't want to say, cause I'm saying keep an open mind, but you almost have to give up the idea that you're ever going to understand all of it. You can understand pieces of it, but we're all part of a bigger picture. We're not going to understand. Not everything can have an answer but you can know what's working for you and your mind is definitely a tool that can change everything as soon as you get control of it.
2: All of this is, is very, very powerful. I'm going to leave you with a question um, that I prepared. So I hope you're ready for this. Ready. You mentioned that you're a fan of Dallas. <laughs> with your abilities, did you know who shot JR ahead of time? Well,
0: I was only, <laughs> I was only five. <laughs> But I just saw that not too recently. I'm telling you, that show colored my life more than anything else because my entire, I mean, here I am a little five-year-old kid and I am, uh, even when my mom stopped watching it, my parents stopped watching it, I watched that all the way into high school. I mean, that was like my thing. It just shows you how much one thing, I used to sit. In the backseat of our car, I would have a corded house phone and I'd be in the backseat like I was talking. My mom's driving me around <laughs> in town and she, she wouldn't wear the hat. That was the one thing where she drew, drew the line. But but it just shows you the dumbest things that imprint on us and that program us. And really, I thought it was all about money. You know, Jr. he just loved it. He was so devilish and, yeah. you know, he always had that smile on his face. It just looks so much fun. Oh, wow. It doesn't matter who you hurt as long as you make as long as you make money so yeah i mean didn't know it at the time (laughs) who shot jr (laughs) but what a great show i mean you know i just look at it differently now i don't look at it like a roadmap on how to live your life
2: (laughs) (laughs) this has been great brent uh i I really appreciate you uh, reaching out to us and setting aside the time uh, to talk to us so i appreciate your time and thank you for for being in the studio today
0: Thank you so much, Greg. I really, really appreciate it. And like I said, this has been a, such a great interview. You're really good at kind of pulling questions out. I love that. So anytime you need me, I'm, I'm here.
2: Excellent. Love to have you back. Yeah. yeah. Thanks again. Isn't he a ball of energy? Yeah, I know. I know. he's. Yeah. He even said that he's very, very passionate about the work that he does. And, and sure enough, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah very passionate guy, and, and rightfully so. I mean, he's doing some really, really cool work, and I—I I, I was wrong. You know, I, I thought he might be the kind of Vegas act you think of of being a mentalist, but no, that's not what he does, and and that's that's not who he is today.
1: Well, I hate to tell you this, but um, I was cheating on you while you were interviewing uh, Brent. There, say what? And I was I was cheating on you. So, in other words, I, half my ear was listening to the interview, but the other half, I, I, I actually was looking at his website while you were talking to him. While you're and, producing uh, the show. While I was producing the show, and uh, my goodness, uh, he's done a lot of things. And then what I couldn't help but uh, but see on his website are the number of videos he's posted Where he's helped people. Yeah. Um. There was one lady who uh, had, uh, I think, was stage four breast cancer. She was only given uh, six months to live, and uh, two years later, here she is talking to Brent. And I thought, what a fabulous story! Absolutely. I think he's got a couple hundred uh, videos out there. And then that Johnny Carson story. That like I've always been a fan of late night. So when he was going on about Johnny Carson, that one. I, that's something I could really relate to because I had heard, you know, tales about Johnny Carson mm-hmm. and how he was sort of, uh, what, what do you call it, A, an introvert? Yeah, he was Is that he, an
2: introvert. He was an introvert, yeah. A very quiet yeah. guy uh, when he wasn't on camera, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, you know, of course uh, Brent had worked with Johnny, I think it was on his boat. Mm-hmm. Was it not on his boat? Yeah. And, uh yeah. And had a chance to talk to Johnny. But what really moved me about the Johnny Carson story is he died a very lonely man.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Brent, uh, I I guess, picked up on that when he realized that no one else was around. You know, he had his staff and he had his captain and stuff like that and um, Mm -hmm. uh, a lonely life. And you would never think that, right? Because Johnny Carson was kind of like, for our generation and, and older generation, you know, the guy that was in our living room almost every night.
1: And he looked like he had the world together, when in fact uh, he really didn't, because he was a very lonely person. But there was there was also some parallels there too, where Johnny, I think, wanted uh, Johnny Carson wanted to be a a magician, as Brent did in his early years. Right? Yeah, they had that in and, common that they you know they do magic. And then that book that uh, actually I think is it safe to say it really started Brent down this path. And that book is called The Magic of Believing from uh Claude M. Bristol. Bristol, right, A- right. Yeah. And uh I-, I looked up the book while while I was listening to your interview. And uh, by the way, if you're interested, on YouTube there are some audio books with someone reading that book and it's free. Oh, I didn't so know if that. you um, uh yeah, I just checked that out on the old Webberoo there. Yeah, well, that book and influenced uh, him
2: as well as other people. He was talking about Phyllis Diller, I think, that uh, he mentioned that, you know, a big influence. Liberace that really,
1: you know, spoke to him. Again, the author's name is Claude M. Bristol, and the book is called Magic of Believing. And he has his own book mm-hmm. that's out. It's a, it's a free book. Mm-hmm. Hey, yes, I mean, how about yes. that? Like around the holiday season, free yeah, is
2: a good word. Exactly. Yes. So his book is The Secrets of Mind Control, and you can get that on com, and I believe that uh, possibly Amazon, I'm not quite sure, but definitely on his website. Mm -hmm. It's funny because, you know, this whole thing about mind control kind of threw me off because I, I knew that he had this book, but before... You know, we did the interview. I was thinking mind control. I'm thinking like, as I mentioned during the interview, like I think of MK Ultra. I'm thinking about how the government mm-hmm. has controlled our mind. But he was saying in this book that he does touch on, not not in this nefarious kind of way. We're we're told what to think in a lot of ways. We're told what we should be looking looking like. He uh, he instills some of these concepts that he was talking about in the, in the interview. He has in his book. How to change
1: how you see life. Something else I thought of. Uh, he talked a lot about spending too much time thinking about yesterday and too much time thinking about the future. And it reminded me of another saying that I actually picked up on uh, in AA meetings years and years ago. I think I know this one. And it what? Yeah, you think so? Okay. So if your left foot is in <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> And your right foot is in tomorrow, then what are you doing? You're pissing on today. Yeah, don't piss on today, man. No. Yeah, don't piss on today. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Another thing too, I it came up a few times uh, in your interview too, but he talked about the bitchy roommate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> a, a definition of sometimes what you know your your inner voice is. Uh, I, I relate to when he talked about that it's a petulant little child. You know, I, yeah. yeah, you know, a very, very negative child, but that's the kind of inner critic. And he said that he calls his inner critic, Carl, Carl, yeah. <laughs> what do you call yours? Uh,
1: I don't know. You, you caught me on the spot there. What do <laughs> I call mine? I didn't actually think about that when, when, uh, when, when you guys were talking about well, it, you there, do have but, a voice. Uh,
2: Everyone has a voice
1: inside. Yeah. But what would my voice be? Let me think about that. I'll get back to your people later on that one.
2: Maybe it's uh, Leonardo. <laughs> Why would it be
1: Leonardo? I'm just
2: thinking about the way you think normally, and I figured that, so- okay. that in- somebody inside you probably is uh, someone that would you know be called Leonardo,
1: Leo. <laughs> Next time, this guy has helped so many people, and it was uh, it was amazing to hear Brent Webb today on Mind Body Matters. Right,
2: Brent Webb. Check out his book. It's a free book. Well. Listeners, I hope you're downloading our show, our episodes, to start a queue on your platform of choice. And if you found Brent's interview interesting and insightful and helpful, then uh, give us five stars or maybe even a review on the platform that you're using. Mind Body Matters is a great media podcast. Okay, what are you laughing about now? Nothing. You were so critical about my beginning. This is my ending because this is what I usually say I say, Mind Body Matters is a great media podcast.
1: Uh, But could you maybe just, you know, could you could you maybe emphasize the show title Mind Body Matters is a great media podcast? Could you do that for me? No,
2: why don't you do it then? If you don't like it the way I'm doing it, then go ahead.
1: Okay. Mind Body Matters is a great media podcast. We'll be back next week. Meanwhile, be kind to yourself. And most importantly, be well. I hope that's good enough for you. My
2: God. Thanks for listening. And if there's a topic that you'd like to hear about, drop us a line at mb-matters.com. Be sure to like and follow us on all our socials. And if you like what you hear, hit subscribe or follow and share with your friends.